Ultra Hall of Fame. I am with Seth Bracken, Jordan Martinez, and Ray Sweat, and we are here to talk about the greatest popcorn movie and the greatest Blockbuster Hall of Fame movie. I'm already calling it mm. Independence Day. Released in the year 1996. We're here to talk about it. I know Independence Day just passed. That's why it's very on the nose. Jordan, tell me your thoughts on this amazing movie. I realize it's like, man, I've seen this movie a lot when I would be watching. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's just like, this is just one of those like, oh yeah, nice, comfortable movie to watch that's like, yep, I enjoy this movie. That's pretty much how it sums up for me. You enjoy it? Buddy, enjoyment is an understatement, so thank you. Ray, what do we think? <laughs> I think it holds up incredibly well despite some of the technological issues that you can just blame on, you know, 90s, still trying to understand computers. But uh, it holds up extremely well, and uh, I'll just be short with it. I got a lot more thoughts. Seth, I know this is your favorite movie of all time. Tell me about it. <laughs> it is not my favorite movie of all time. However, it is my favorite holiday movie for Independence Day. Uh, so Long list. I will say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was talking to my wife about this. I think we got two if we count the Patriot. Does that count? I mean, it's them winning independence. It feels like it should count. But uh, I don't know. It was a good movie. It's still fun. It held up for the most part. Again, Ray kind of hit it nail on the head there with the whole technology obviously aged past it. But if you look at it as a movie that took place in 1996, I think it was great. I want to be honest. Um, if you listen to this podcast a couple episodes, you know I am very anti-America. But watching this movie, <laughs> hey, I am. a better way of saying it. <laughs> Go ahead. Anti-America? Really? That's the that's... anti-capitalism. Sorry, my issue is better. My issues with capitalism and how America is in love with capitalism. But this movie, I'm pro-war all, baby. Watching this movie, 100% pro-capitalism, pro-war, America. I attribute this as the same feeling Gordon gets watching Armageddon. This is me watching this movie. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's why I picked it. Buddy, let me let, let's go to the list of actors. Sorry, we're gonna hold, go ahead and jump into actors. Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum. Those are the top three. Those are the top three. Um, if you have those three actors in your movie, this is the greatest movie ever made. But it goes on. Randy Quaid, which we've talked about, <laughs> also from Houston. Hey, Randy Quaid. This was a. Uh... Uh, like a future telling. Hey, hey Jared, don't Very do me a favor. Hold on, hold on. Don't don't list some of the minor actors yet, because I got a game I want to play later on. Oh no, um, Ray, this is going to be a co-hosting episode. Um, but no, also, I just I just I thought about it. I, I'm like, trying to think who you're going to surprise with me because I know there's a lot of minor characters in it that I'm but familiar like, with. Legitimately, yeah. like this is a fucking great movie. 
this is a good movie with good actors, and it came out with Roland Emmerich. So, we're going to talk about Roland Emmerich to start off. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Seth, I know you had your thoughts on Roland Emmerich, which you said in the group chat. Yeah, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, who is like his co-writer and co-producer, how they had three, like a three-hit strand where they hit three sci-fi properties. And so you had Universal Soldier, which spans countless straight-to-DVD sequels. Uh, But the first one was great. Uh, Then they followed that up with Stargate, which... To like, you know, as everyone is well aware, turn into this huge property for Sci-Fi Channel, uh, a 10 season long sci-fi show of 22 episodes a season kind of deal. Uh, and then they had this movie, Independence Day. Uh, we're not going to talk about why they ended up splitting up because it was a really bad movie known as Godzilla. And so they did not end the 90s well, but they started the 90s really well. And then Dean so Devlin then- went on to like help executive produce Leverage and other shows. That we still watched Roland it. Roland Emmerich goes straight into, like, after the flop of Godzilla, goes into what I think the four of us agree is a great movie, The Patriot. Really? You think it's a great movie? It's what a movie? good part. Dial it back. Good movie. The Sorry. No, it's The Patriot's a, a great movie. I don't know if it's great, but I know it's good. No. And I know where we watch it. It's Damn the it second best great. Independence Day holiday movie. So then the he Patriots goes into, So this is his run. The Day After Tomorrow, 10,000 BC, 2012, Anonymous, White House Down. I will fight you over White House Down. White House Down is good. Stonewall, obviously the Independence Day sequel, Midway, eh. Moonfall is actually outright terrible. So, like, Kind of a mixed bag. Do you think he was phoning it in? Like, he he made his money and he was like, I'm going to make the same movie a few times. Or was it like the world moved on from these type of movies, but he didn't realize it yet and he was just making them? I think a little bit of both. I think he was trying to capture that Independence Day magic. I think he's been trying to capture that because that was his big moment. Like, to be fair, like, White House Down would have captured that magic except for a movie of the same exact genre and came out. No, no, no. White House has fallen. Uh Oh, okay. I didn't know. Oh, wait. Is White House down the one with Channing Tatum? Yes. Oh, yeah. I will say my dad preferred this one because he came out of this movie very happy. No, but like, honestly, it's a good movie, but like he, like the fact that sequels are made from the other movie makes the original better. So, yeah. Jordan, what are your thoughts on Roland Emmerich? Uh, sort of like, he tries sometimes, and I feel like he just can't get it quite right. That's how I feel like with a lot of his movies. He, he, Godzilla was an excellent example of that, where he tried to capture the fun and entertainment of Independence Day. It's just like, yeah, and it just sort of goes downhill for most of the other movies on that. I will, I will speak on Godzilla later, but Ray, you have your thoughts. He is Dwight Howard. He came out, took the league by storm, just dominated. The league quickly shifted, and he refused to change his game. 
and how the dare you high. compare this man to who should be a first ballot hall of famer first ballot maybe second but uh well, the fact oh, that he's no. a hall of famer on it i i yeah, I would have to disagree with that comparison. He's not in the Hall of Fame yet. He's not in the Hall of Fame. So, but the fact he that you be. said he can be in the Hall of Fame, I don't think anyone's going to say that without rolling it. When it comes to blockbuster oh, films, no. he definitely. created three huge sci-fi properties. I mean, again, again, I'm going to go ahead and say, Ray, your reference is actually spot on. It because is because he came out hot, but then he fizzled. But then people forget how good he was in his prime. Yep. So again, Universal Soldier, the first Universal Soldier, fantastic yes. movie. Stargate, fantastic movie. Independence Day, fantastic movie. Like so, again, this is equating to the White Howard, the Patriot. His prime, Sorry. Patriot. Like even <laughs> his prime was peak. Remember, yeah, he brilliant. beat he beat prime LeBron James in the playoffs. I want to hear Yorton. Yorton really is pushing back. I want to see his, I, it's just I just don't see his other movies as strong. And you and to be a Hall of Famer, you have to have a solid body of work, not just a couple mm. of big hits. Mm. Hold on, I, I'm I'm going to question that. With just one thing, I'm going to say Stargate is a huge property, especially yeah. for sci-fi. I think if you can create one huge sci-fi property, like that has lasting impact throughout decades of people, I feel like you can make a strong claim. And I'm going to point someone out to this is like George Lucas himself. Now George Lucas executive produced the Indiana Jones movies, right? Yeah. But like really he made Star Wars. Uh, he made other movies. He made but, Star Wars. But Star Wars is George Lucas's thing. That's all he's known for. But yeah, I don't but think Star Wars at the same that. time though, I feel like that that's like a generational just like massive own IP. Star Wars to itself as its own thing. Like you, you know, I love Stargate and everything, but you cannot compare Stargate to Star Wars. I'm sorry. No, 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 they're not not the they're not on the same level. They're definitely on the same level. Yeah. But I would argue that when you have a property that expands out to video games, books, and TV, and you have all that expansion. And here's the thing though. You have to throw in with George Lucas, Industrial Light and Magic, and what he's done with movies with that, too. We're talking oh, about for... directing, though. I know, but I'm just talking about him as movies in general. Well, and, and I think that's fair, but I, I would also argue that, like, you know, the whole doomsday, end-of-the-world type movies, like Roland Emmerich, he does them probably better than almost anyone, even with the movies that are kind of average. His effects and everything right, right. like that are right there. I, I want to put a thought. cap on this real quick. I want to put a cap on this whole Hall of Fame. So, I'm Yorton, to make you feel better, there are players who get into the Hall of Fame because of the argument, well, if this player's in, how is this? How is he not going to get in? <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's Dwight Howard. Um, but because his career is not a Hall of Fame career, but his prime is a Hall of Fame prime, and that's why he's getting in. And that's the same argument here for Roland Emmerich. Is yeah. like, well, I mean, yeah. Perfect capture. Um, I like Chris Webber, who is in the Hall of Fame. Same with Chris. Peak. so. Same with Chris Webber's peak being a like Hall of Fame peak, but you look at his entire career, not just there. But we're gonna talk about like Independence Day as a movie and being here for July Fourth. Bill Pullman said, "This is not gonna be an American holiday." going to be a world holiday 
What are your thoughts on Independence Day? So, Jordan, you're a war guy. You're a former vet, or still a vet. Sorry. <laughs> uh, not, there's no such thing as former vet. I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about former vet. So, no, no, I'm going to cut that off. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, what are your thoughts on July 4th, 1776, Independence Day as a holiday celebrated form? Are we now, going this far back? Oh, what, <laughs> why, my thoughts on it? Yeah. Oh my god. The United States got tired of it and it's like, look, we're going to do our own thing. And I feel like that that's sort of the basics of being an American. It's just pretty much like, hey, let me do my own thing and set off and everything. So how does that tie back into this movie? We're not going to get pushed around by the aliens. Exactly, <laughs> exactly what he says in the speech. Exactly. So we're not going to go quietly at night. <laughs> I, we're not going to go... Like, how great was that speech? Seth, Independence Day, tell me your thoughts on the holiday itself before we get into the movie. Uh, I think the holiday is great. It's perfectly fine. I mean, uh, the my favorite Independence Day is March 2nd, so it's my second favorite Independence Day that I celebrate. But, <laughs> like... Uh, and y'all can look at me like that all you want, but I'm being dead serious. I go get steak on March 2nd every year, and I celebrate it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I I like, I'm not anti-America. I like America. Very happy that we exist, uh, especially for the time period. It was, you know, we, we still got work to do, but I'm I'm okay with having work to do. So, uh, for those of you who do not know, March 2nd is actually Texas Independence Day, which we're all three based in Texas. Yeah, it, it is. Like the proper Independence Day, it's just the actual Independence Day. But uh, it's my favorite holiday. Anyway, so the movie though, I think actually ties in fairly well. Uh, I think the speech is good. It's not as good as Jean Claude Van Damme's Street Fighter, but it's uh, it's up there though. I mean, it's it's a it's definitely a top three, top four, you know, action movie speech, you know. And uh, I can't go. F- I do love this though. I will say this about the movie. As we were watching the movie. All I could think of is this is what Top Gun with aliens would be like. And I kind of wanted more fighter plane action solely for that reason, because that was kind of cool. I liked that. I, I now want Tom Cruise's. I, I want Top Gun Independence Day crossover for the third for both of their third movies. Just like combine the thing into a trilogy and it's Tom Cruise flying jet planes against the aliens. We can Top Gun. Yeah. Independence Day, Fast and the Furious crossover, got it. Uh, Ray, what are your thoughts on the holiday and how it relates to this movie? Sorry, my segue didn't work for you at the beginning. But no, I just was not prepared for my thoughts on July 4th, the holiday. Um, <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. Um, it worked. I'm just, okay. So I, I, I'm kind of like you, Jared. I'm not the most patriotic guy. I am someone who thinks the world of the troops, former and current especially with two grandfathers in the army and Yorton, I consider one of my better friends who served. Um, actually, I have a lot of friends who, are, who have served. Um, with that said, I'm not the most patriotic guy. This holiday is, I remember the, the heroes who fought and I move on, you know, it's just a chance to pop fireworks with my daughter. Um, the movie was fantastic. Um, I thought this movie was just, I actually have a, some notes. Hold on. Let me see. I want to talk about what a gr- oh hold up Jared all right go ahead we're gonna What's get up? there we're gonna get there sorry I got a segue for it 
Uh, tell me, what does the fourth mean to you, Jared? So the fourth means to me is exactly what Bull Pullman said. Bill, sorry, not Bull. Bill Pullman said, we will not go quietly, quietly into the night. We are together as a people. It's united. It's not just an American holiday. We're together. So, like, I take that a step further is that we're all humans. We're in this together. We're fighting against an alien threat. We we are all what we have. So, guys, this, this fantastic movie saying we are all what we have together. We are all what we have together. Seth Bracken. What did you have positively towards this movie? Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, one is we get to see Data. I think that's cool. Uh, at one point, uh, I uh, also we get to see Adam Baldwin. I'm here. Sorry, my bad. I know we're. Uh, my bad. My bad. I'm stopping. I'm stopping now. I, re- I remember. I remember. I'm stopping now. Uh, but like, I actually enjoyed seeing a bunch of play- people like from other franchises in the future that were or at the time and present. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And the other thing I loved about it though is like. You know, doomsday movies, the apocalyptic ending movies, they can be fun or they can be really, really stupid and over the top. And this movie was able to do over the top, you know, with the whole blowing up of the White House, the Empire State, all these other things, while still having fun. And Jeff Goldblum not being too Jeff Goldblumy, uh, and Will Smith, all Smith. It was like the perfect amount for each. You are correct. He's not Jeff, very Jeff Goldblum in, in this movie. Which is good. He was the perfect yeah. amount of Goldblum. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, Ray, you're, you're mute, Ray. <laughs> is it my turn now? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, cool. Um, I what I what One thing I love is I noticed this time watching it for my 64th time is how good a job this movie does introducing the characters. You know, at the beginning of the movie, um, you really get a sense right away in the first scene, like who they are, what kind of person they are, what's going on, especially the president. Like right away, he wakes up and he's just, he's watching the news of people bashing for his age and he's a walk, he's a pushover. And then you see his personality. It's just a lot of good stuff. Um, I also enjoyed seeing like a life inside the White House. That was pretty cool. It seems pretty chill. If I say, I want to say one video game from our childhood, Star Fox 64. Yeah. Okay. Seth gets it. Did anybody, does this movie remind you of that one level in Star Fox 64? Jordan? I'm going to say this. As someone who just, recently replayed Star Fox 64 on my Wii. Um, what a fantastic game for nostalgia, but it, it, it's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's great. It's great. You can beat it in like an hour. It's great. There's a level, though, where you have to fight off like a hundred enemy spaceships or bad guys, whatever, and there's literally a giant disc UFO hovering over a temple and it's about to shoot a beam down through the middle, just like Independence Day. And so I just, mm-hmm. I always think of that. 
But uh, uh, what do you guys think? think the, the introductions to the characters. So the introduction to the characters, I felt like it gave them their all just due. Like, it's like, hey, here goes the characters. Maybe we'll revisit them. Maybe not. But it gave them, like, hey, I'm going to feel what happens to this character no matter what. And so, like, even Vivica A. Fox, like, I yeah. felt something for. Like, her kid, who had, like, two lines. Shout out the kid from Fresh Prince. But, like, he had two That's lines. That's who he is. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, I still felt something towards him, and I'm just like, he better fucking be okay by the end of this. Um, Jordan, how did you feel about the, uh, secondary characters? Secondary characters, I think they were very good. I feel like that's also why a lot of these secondary characters went on with other, uh, media, which apparently we're going to have a quiz on, so we're not going to go into depth with it. Well, I think, I think Jared's talking about, like, Vivica A. Fox and, uh, I don't know, not not the core crew. He's talking about the characters related to the core crew. Not the uh D tier characters. Okay, well, still uh well, I mean the dad has done quite a bit of work outside oh, yeah. of just Independence Day. And he 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 does a really good job of being a dad, so that's that was like easy gig for him, I feel like, but it, he did do a really good job on it. And so even talking about like Randy Quaid's kids, like you felt something towards Randy Quaid's kids, and Ray even like messages in the group chat about it. Like, yeah, I have different feelings, and I assume I I'm sorry, Ray. I'm assuming it was towards the kids. It is so. Watching this movie, I get emotional over the speech and stuff like that growing up. And I never once teared up because it was like, yeah, fuck yeah, America, let's go, let's kill the aliens. But now, the father-daughter and the father-son moments, like there's a scene with the president right after his wife had passed and the daughter looks to him and says, is mommy sleeping now? And I was like, oh, she's just off my couch alone. Yes. Just, I'm tearing up thinking about it now. She hugs him. Oh my god! That and the scene where, and I have some issues with Randy Quaid's whole storyline, but um, <laughs> I feel first of all, I feel like Randy Quaid's storyline is only there because they needed, they had this idea that they're going to have someone sacrifice themselves to save the day, and they didn't want to kill any of the main crew. So they created this character and like, shit, we got to make the audience care about him. Let's add some story to him. I think he's an afterthought, but it works. I also think the movie works just fine without him. But I'm they, not- they did have it completely different originally at the end. He wasn't flying uh, the fighter jet with it. He was using his own crop duster to fly in cool. float, uh, um, in. But then but they I- changed it a little bit because they enjoyed the character so much. It gave him a little more depth and everything. And so, him. like, even to well, the hold on. Hold on. Oh, back to your, your question, the, the the end where his son is looking at him and he's like, and Randy Quaid says, like, tell my family I love them. You know, something you know, something cliche like that. Anything like that works for me. And I started tearing up again. I was like, why is Randy Quaid making me tear up? It was and really so, crazy. like, even to that point, like, they had Harry Connick Jr. Yep. as a, like, pivotal part. Like, at one point, it was just like, Hey, I care about Harry Cotting Jr. just saying like two lines and being like this preacher and saying verses from the Bible. And it's like, 
in the brief moments this movie had, it made me care about those like B, C, D tier actors in that moment. Seth, how did it make you feel? Wait, to the guy I was going to talk about, but uh, I, I thought his goose what character, especially was like well played. The uh, fact that he proposed to him and the guy walks in on him as he's yeah. on one knee holding up the ring was funny. Um, but like they did a good job of like making him likable. And that's really, I think the trick is they didn't make anyone unlikable unless the, they didn't want you to like them. Like the, uh, I think the secretary of defense is the guy you weren't supposed to like. If I remember right, the one they fire, mm-hmm. like there goes in the movie, but like mm-hmm. they make, do a good job of making you like everybody. Data was one of those people who you were kind of like, I don't know if I like you or not, but it's kind of cool to see you. Uh, and then they kind of do what they do with him. And, so I think that's really the trick to it is they gave them small humanizing snippets that made you like them. So when stuff happened, you were like, you felt things and you wanted them and they didn't kill the dog. So I'm happy. Yeah. Which was James Reborn, <laughs> which is the character that we're not supposed to like. And they did a very good job of being as not like him because he was hiding things away from James Who? Reborn. Re- James Reborn? The Secretary of Defense. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying James Remar. I was like, that's not. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm with you now. I'm with you now. My bad. Um, so, yeah. Right. <laughs> he played Albert in the movie. Um, so, yeah. Like, they actually did a really good job of making us like characters and not like characters as this movie went on. And actually, shout out to Mae Whitman, who played the child actress as. Bill Pullman's daughter. Mm-hmm. Hey, women, anyone? No, but she did good. I don't know who she is other than the daughter of the president. She played in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. What are we doing? Um, no, shout out, May Women. But I think the, as Ray was saying, nope. the D tier characters did, or the CD, I don't like calling them D. That seems disrespectful, Ray. Uh, <laughs> No, no, I'm not, the characters I'm talking about are not actors, D-tier actors, the D-tier characters in the movie. Okay, okay, D-tier characters. All right, I can get on board with that, but not actors. Um, but no, did a really good job um, in the movie. So Ray and I really like the movie Alien, and so we like aliens, and we like alien lore. We always talk about Covenant and how it just, like, fumbled the bag. And fumbling the bag when it comes to aliens. How do we think about that portrayal of aliens? Ray, just let go. Well, I sent a Twitter thread to you guys where this Twitter company, I don't even know, I don't know, some website, but they went on like this 35 tweet length thread. And oh, what I learned, huh? Good God, that's a crazy amount of tweet. <laughs> but it was all good stuff. It was really cool. And uh, one of the things I learned was uh, they created two designs for the aliens and the director, or I guess, I don't know, someone with power was like, we like both designs. Let's use them both. And so one of them was used as an exosuit. One of them was used as their normal, I don't know, endosuit. I don't know what to call it, but whatever. The um, actual body? <laughs> the yeah, actual the body, alien? <laughs> I thought the, the design was terrifying. They were like, humanoid squids i don't even know how else to describe them but that would probably be the best way to describe i would say and they uh they looked legitimately tangible 
a lot of times in movies nowadays, like aliens and stuff, they're all CG and as real as they look, you almost don't feel like you can touch them because there's something there. And that's what I love about this movie is like, you can literally like, you know, you can reach out and touch that alien if it was in front of you. It's, it's a real prop they made yet. It still looks like an actual alien. Go ahead, Jared. And so like, this is my issue with a lot of like sci-fi movies because how fucking like disrespectful of us humans to think that all aliens have to look humanoid. But when we take a step back, Mm -hmm. one of the most alien like properties on earth are squids and so i'm glad they went with the squid like behavior and squid like properties because in so many movies we think of the oh they have to be bipedal they have to have arms they have to have big eyes like they look like us humans hey bro like do we think we're the center of the universe no we're not so i do appreciate this movie going like in between of Maybe humans, maybe squids. I do really appreciate that because they were just like, hey, we don't care. They're they're squids because those are the most alien-like properties, which is also why I do love Alien and their aliens. Seth, what did you think of the alien? I thought they were fine. I mean, the design was good. I think Gray hit it on you know the head again with the whole like little brief moment you see them. They look terrifying. There's a little jump scare and you know, Will Smith reacts the way we all want to react and punches it in the face or helmet. And we're all like, oh, yes, that's great. Uh, I mean, we didn't really see a whole lot of them. So, you know, like we got that bunker scene and we kind of saw one at Control Center. But so I don't really have any like super in-depth opinion of it. Uh, I kind of agree with your take that you know, aliens don't always have to be, you know, bipedal, humanoid-ish, or whatever like that. It's like the peak cinema movie Arrival, the aliens they use in that one, uh, you know, for example. Uh, <laughs> as nice yes, counter. where they, ha- they ha- used squid form but were completely different and floating in the tanks and everything. Yeah, whole new language and everything like that. So, you yeah, know... It, it's not like, completely on a different level than how humans yeah. would think. It's a peak <laughs> cinema-type move for a sci-fi alien movie, uh, you know? I mean, so... Uh, Thinking yeah. out of the box. Yeah, I thought I, mean, I thought they were fine. Like there, there was no complaints. Uh, I'm glad they didn't spend too much time with them. It wasn't like they didn't need to use it too much. And I think if they had used it too much, I think some of the effect would have worn off if you'd seen it more in the movie, especially because of the time period. But so I think that they did the perfect amount of showing. All right. So Jordan, were you a fan of the telekinesis or not? Uh. I thought it was fine with that. That that one, I the alien part scene and everything. I just feel like, well, we need to see what an alien is. Got a cool design, but they it doesn't hold significance to me compared to more of the ship designs and everything that they have. And then you see much more of in the movie. So that's sort so, of always my thought. This is to Seth and Ray. Like, are we a fan of telekinesis from the aliens? Because again, they're aliens, so we don't know their capabilities. But we're big comic book guys. How do we feel about it, Ray? It, it, it it's an easy way for and a convincing way to allow the aliens to communicate with us. You know, you don't want the aliens in a realistic movie coming down to Earth being like, "Hey." We want your land. We're going to take, they shouldn't be speaking an earth language, you know? So it's a, 
I think it was a, a smart and intelligent way to get them to communicate with us. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was good with it, especially because, like, you know, it kind of seemed like they had to have, like, contact, and there was, to a point anyway. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I thought it was perfectly fine. You could easily try to explain it if you needed to. I don't really feel like you needed to. Like, I didn't question it in the movie as I'm watching. You know, I'm never like, well, how the hell did that happen? How would they do that? And sometimes if I'm doing that, that's not good. It feels too far out of left field. But in this case, it felt fine. It didn't feel like it was... Uh, Professor Charles Xavier type, and I think if they had tried to go that way with it, it probably would have been a little worse, but I think it works fine. Do we, I didn't think it's funny, though. He's trying to negotiate with basically just like a fighter pilot. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> and it sort of felt like, that. Well, of course, that would be his response, essentially. Like, Do we yeah. feel fine with yeah. the hand-waving of, hey, they're just locusts? Do we feel fine with that like hand-waving? Because personally, I thought that was a good explanation, but if you, like, take a second thought it could be just like not everything has to be a locust like what's the point ray i don't even know what you're talking about sorry yeah, so yeah, motives the motive of the aliens they're just locusts they go from planet to planet destroying what they have uh, taking oh. on their resources and then moving on to the next planet to take mm. on their resources all right yeah I. E. locusts as going from crop to crop just taking the resource so Again, I don't think the... Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't think the movie is about the alien motivation. It's really just a chance to show off some star power and awesome action. And I feel like that's kind of what it, it did. I, I just needed the aliens to show up and be menacing. And then I needed the heroes to come in and save the day. So I feel like if you go any deeper, you you risk becoming a different movie. So, And that's kind of what the sequel does. So go, Seth. Oh, really? See, so I haven't watched the sequel, and that's actually the one problem Please don't. I had with the motive. motive to me kind of makes the sequel seem weird because if they are locust species, I'm totally fine with that. Actually, I have no problem with that. Uh, it would explain why they have one really big ship and why they're all doing this. But if you destroy that, where else are they? Well, so how the sequel often is they they Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> Um, so the yeah, they won't be range in the in that movie. But at the same time, if they're bands of locusts, it's just like, oh, wait, so much time, another band of locusts comes, you know. Oh, so like they could just be fighting each other. Like, no, I'll get this planet. All right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but, I mean, you know what's weird, funny about the sequel that you were talking about? Right. I saw the movie and I can't remember anything from the movie. It's like blank in my head. No, I just remember I'm they wanted to... revenge, and it's like, but if they were locusts, why, like, locusts just want to consume resource. They don't want revenge. They just want resource. Like, what? Um, but, okay. So, um, any more positive thoughts about the movie? Right? I mean, there's so many. I, I want uh, Will Smith is so cool in this movie. And also something else I know it. This is, I guess, this was my first. Inter- I, I guess I don't know if this or Fresh Prince was first, but like, if this is the first time you're seeing Will Smith, you're like, oh, that is the coolest guy in the world. Like, that is a movie star who's been in a hundred movies before. But he's, you know, it's this is like his first big one. It's crazy. Um, uh, what's his name? Who's his? Oh my God! Every time I'm on the podcast, I can't. Jeff Goldblum. Um, Jeff Goldblum. If you notice. I didn't realize how tall Jeff Goldblum is. 
he's taller than Will Smith, and he's actually kind of he's they hide it well, but he's kind of jacked in this movie. He and, is. He really yeah, is. They hide it well though, but like I was like, this dude's got some broad shoulders. Like, anyways, he what a cool pairing because it's not a pairing you think would work, but man, they they worked really well together, and I liked them a lot. And this is, I mean. This is my favorite Jeff Goldblum performance, I think. Just because he's um, not Jeff Goldblooming it up. What's up? So when it comes to Jeff Goldblum in this movie, he... Uh, so, alright, Jeff Goldblum is 70 years old right now. We would have never guessed. Because he doesn't look 70. Yeah. Again. Um, Jeff Goldblum is uh, over six foot. He is just, like, this fantastic actor who we all know, like, in his later career, like, just like some of our favorite actors of Denzel Washington, Samuel Jackson, um, some of you guys like Chris Pine, they just fall into the trope of playing the same character, same mm-hmm. person. But, like, Chris seeing Pine? them outside of playing the same Slander. person. Slander. Slander on Chris Pine. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's trying to get back for the peak cinema comment, but mine made sense. Chris Pine does not. Uh, neither did Denzel, but that's fine too. I mean, he's always a bit charming, but that's like about the only thing I feel. Heaven like forbid, Chris Pine is just a charming individual. Uh, I heaven forbid you actually ask him to act in the movie, and he just does that. Um, cool. Um, oh my again, god, Jared, you are you're off. You're like zero and four right now. <laughs> this is your takes are so bad right now. <laughs> but go again, ahead. He comes into this movie, he just, like, wows us. But then he kind of retreats into, like, Jeff Goldblum, as we see now. Do we yeah. wish we got this Jeff Goldblum in every movie? I honestly don't know that many Jeff Goldblum movies. I know the big ones, you know? I, what do you... What? What? I mean, He's I know not, like Jurassic Park. I know this. I, I if you say some, I'll probably like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm, let's look at his IMDb real quick. I I mean, I have it up. He obviously Guardians, Thor Ragnarok, I Love Dogs, Falling Kingdom, He was he was fine in those movies, but like After he was City, such a small part, which just came out. I let's mean, talk about Jeff Goldblum movies where he's the lead or co-lead or it, well. Or well, in the Thor movie, he was the main baddie, so he yeah, didn't like, have a no, like, legitimately, but he played like that guy, and like even he played him. Still playing the same guy. I feel like he amped it up to a thousand in Thor. Like but he, that's he, what he still. Have you watched the new Jurassic World series? It's I the same not. way, especially in Jurassic, the new Jurassic World. He was the same. I way. walked out of that movie. I wish I could have. I really wish I could have. It's um, one of the few movies I've walked out of. Like, again, I'm on, record, I'm on the record. My least favorite movie of all time is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, I think it's the worst movie I ever saw. Um, but again, like, like all these movies, Holy Man, he plays the same role. Like, I don't even know what that movie is. Yeah. I'm looking at his IMDb, and he doesn't have a lot of successful leading roles if you take out the big ones. 
you know, the Jurassic World or Jurassic Park and Independence Day. Like, I don't know any of these movies. Like, like Mordecai, Grand Budapest Hotel. I mean, which he played an ancillary role, which was pretty yeah. good. But he's, uh, he's not the guy in those movies. I don't know. So yeah. is he a better leading actor versus secondary? Oh, no, he's, a tertiary? Actor for sure. he's a character actor for sure. I don't think he's... Depends on the character. Movies, like, if you pair him up with someone really cool, he could be a leading guy, like a co-lead, but I don't think you're going to see... I'll, I'm going to go see the next Jeff Goldblum movie. I don't think people are saying that. No. <laughs> I, really not, he could carry the right... No, I'm not saying... I just... But, I think he's a cool dude, but that's about it for me. Like, would I be excited to see him as as an actor? Not really, but I think he's a cool dude. That's basically how it rolls up to. All right, now that we got everyone else out of the way, it's time for Will Smith. All right, guys, how do we feel about Will Smith? What was our first exposure? Is he the greatest actor of our lifetime? He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, first exposure's first prince, greatest actor of her lifetime. Hell no, uh, not even close. Uh, he's a he's a good actor. He's I I might dare even say, and this might be a slap in the face to some, but he's an even underrated actor. But he is, uh, you know, I nice think pun, that. Thank you. Uh, the stuff that happened, I, I think the overreaction to that event, by the way, was dumb because. Whatever. Uh this be your only speak of that incident. I don't want anybody else to bring it up because I'm done with it. Okay, no, it's I mean that's all I'm saying is that like I think it sucks because it's kind of hindered some of his career, and that's what I think is dumb. I want I more Will Smith movies. I would rather have more Will Smith movies than less Will Smith movies, even if he has had some duds over the last few years. But I don't know. He's a charismatic actor that you know is pretty good. I don't know why you want to call him the greatest actor in the world when he's more guilty of acting the same in all movies than, let's say, Chris Pine or uh, Denzel, but that's fine. Wilson is more guilty of doing that, but that's Wolf okay. Smith knows how to act in a blockbuster movie. He knows what to do, and that's what I appreciate about him. He's like, I know exactly what the audience wants of me in this movie. I want to be cool, charming, funny, and kind of a badass, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. What's if up? I need to be a character actor, I'll be a character actor. But if I need to be in a blockbuster, I'm in know. a blockbuster. And it's like Will Smith is the ultimate actor who knows his role. And that's why I say, like, he's probably one of the good actors. He never will win the Royal Julio Award or Bison Award by Bisoning it because he knows exactly what movie he is in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about Will Smith so much is because he's like, I'm never going to overact. I'm never going to underact. I'm going to act exactly where you need me to act. Jordan, how do you feel about him? I, I've always enjoyed where he's in. I can't really think of a bad movie that I'd be like, man, he did a bad job in off the top of my head. Uh, first thing I remembered him in, ooh, it's tough between Bad Boys and uh, The Fresh Prince. Uh, early 90s that sort of just blurs together for me so I don't Mm -hmm. know when I first saw it but that's basically it for me sorry um, before we move on to negatives how do we feel about the movie Wild Wild West with Will Smith just quick thought okay all right it's awful it's terrible the TV show is amazing that movie was a atrocity to mankind's eyeballs oh my god it was horrible the TV show 
fantastic. You should all watch it. It is a great TV show. <laughs> the movie that show because of that movie. <laughs> awful. No, the show. No, I'm talking about the Ray, show. The Black and White. Ray, just really quick, really quick. Yeah, yeah, I know. I th- I know what show you're Star talking book. about. Yeah. They. Yeah. All right, I have two thoughts. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I loved it as a kid. Second thought. I know it's going to be terrible if I rewatch it, but I'm not going to hate on any movie that gave us such a great song. Okay. The Wild Wild West song, all time banger. <laughs> yes. Uh, For me, I knew it was a bad movie, and when I was watching it, yeah, it's a bad movie, but at the same time, I had fun and it was entertaining for me. That's that's that mo- Wild Wild West for I me. I will say this. Without Will Smith, that movie is unwatchable. You yeah. don't have that oh. movie without Will Smith. The movie Smith, was though. unwatchable. With- but I agree, agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with Jordan. Wholeheartedly. Jordan and I have never agreed on this podcast until now. Um Cool. So we're going to get into our nitpicks. I know we talked a little bit about the um, the VFX, the CGI. Like, it's a very 90s CGI, especially when it was remade for, like, Ultra HD 4K. The, the, the issues really stand out with the aliens when they tried to make them do too much. Um, Seth? This movie? Yeah. You think that stands Can you out? Uh, I mean, you can kind of tell when it comes to the telekinesis scene in the uh, autopsy room. I saw it. It may have been my video, but I could like see it. Like, hmm. this is y'all remastered this. Y'all pulled a George Lucas on this scene. Oh. You could, and you could tell a lot more that was practical effects in play. As time has gone by, but. I, I agree with you. But like up until that scene, where it felt like they George Lucas that one part, um, where they were just like, mm, that's maybe. saying a little hard. They George Lucas did because because George Lucas when he changed some things, it was a bit uncanny when they changed it. It's a clear, yeah, they Return changed of the it. Jedi, like. Lounge singing scene is one of the worst things that's ever happened in cinema. I will say I'm they needed him. Y'all just there. defended Wild Wild West. I don't want to hear about any slander on Return of the Jedi, but that's no. That, oh, that you know what though? Song? Oh my god! I love Kill it, me. but I hate it at the same time. That song. Seth, what Jedi. are what are some of your nitpicks on this film? On this film, uh, yeah. I don't really have many because I, I think it was like it was set out to do certain things, and it pretty much succeeded. There's not too many moments where, even though it's mid '90s, I'm cringing. There's not any, like, I don't know. Overall, I I thought it set out to do exactly what it wanted to do, so I don't really have any nitpicks with it. I'm not gonna hate on it for the practical effects. I'm not gonna hate on it for the time period and the technology because, well, that's what they had available. I mean, it was supposed to be a present day alien invasion story, so. Okay. Okay. Right, One. How did Will Smith find his wife when he took that helicopter? He just landed, and his wife was there. He was in the base with the president's wife. Like he just—he literally walked out and was like, "Baby, where are you? I'm right here." It's like in all of Philly or whatever the hell they are. I don't know. It was kind of like he could have. It might have had just infrared, and they lit up because they're the only people there. It's a military helicopter. The search Jordan, and rescue one. You just so, made that there you make sense. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, second, hold on, let me pull up my notes. I know. Uh, I feel like in the end, at the with all the jets are fighting and they're all like 
all the countries have banded together and they're going to take down these ships. I felt like it was a cool chance to show off some of these cool fighters maybe the public doesn't know about, like bring in the stealth bomber. Well, I don't know, just bring in some super They did have the cool... stealth bomber. I Okay, I don't even know what a stealth bomber is. I just said a cool name. <laughs> they, the, so, the thing that launched know. the nuke was the V2 stealth bomber. I don't even know what it is. I'm just saying, bring in some <laughs> classified, unclass- or classified ship. I thought it'd be cool, but it's not a, it's not a nitpick. Here's, <laughs> here's the nitpick that I guess everyone has now that the movie is being watched in 2020 and stuff like that is like, in order to send a virus to another computer system, you have to know the computer system, and that's an alien system. So I feel like if they made if they made this movie today and nothing changed except for that, they would probably just make it like an EMP wave or something. You know, yeah, like, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. They adapted their software to use our satellites, and so he just backwired and was using that same signal back to communicate. Jordan so he, saved the movie. He saved yeah, the movie again. Thank you. Well, they said that too in the movie. That that was a, a specifically stated thing that he did. Yeah. But don't you still have to understand their so- I guess he just well, he because just routed it back through his own thing. All they gotcha. had to do was accept it. And once they accepted okay. this, people back. Makes sense. I get it. Thank you, Jordan. You saved the movie. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Do you have any nitpicks? My nitpicks are mainly sort of going off of this. The the, uh, the stealth bomber things and everything, the weapons that they use. Why are they using those weapons on it? Because they were like just throwing Arams and Sidewinders on a fifteen mile thing. Because I was right, thinking, all right, Ray, cut his feed, cut his feed. He's trying to explain. <laughs> no, Jared. Jared's cat was in the background climbing the door. For dear life, and then he just slid down and, <laughs> and I was just like, no one sees this. Sorry. I saw it, but I was trying to keep calm, but those are my nitpicks. It's like why why are you using things to take down fighter planes on a city sized spacecraft? Alright. So um I wanna play a game if you got time. Uh, no, we got time for the game right before we hop into categories. So, Ray, what's your game? Well, first of all, I want to ask you guys a question before we play this game. Do you guys think Randy, K- Randy Quaid's character was actually abducted before? I like the fact that we never got an answer on that. Where do you stand on that? Do you think he's? I don't care, character? and it doesn't matter to me. Honestly, knowing your head, Yorton. Knowing what I know now about Randy Quaid, he did not. Exactly. I I don't think so. I mean, they could have. The only way they would have is like that's how they knew about our system. They'd already come in and done all this. But the impression I got is that they were supposed to be sophisticated enough. And the implication was that they didn't need to do the scouting ahead of time. But on the flip side, the argument is that they didn't scout ahead of time. How do they know that this is a world they actually want to invade? So. They did the scouting beforehand because of, of the crash. The oh, movies. yeah, the crash. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So they definitely were around. There was uh, but why would they give him back? So I because say. Because it's Randy so. Quaid. They don't want him. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but maybe they uh, reused. I don't know. They were trying I to get think, intel. They kept on deducting him to get intel. I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah, I'll, I'll see him the next that. time I go running. And but I like the fact good. that they never gave us an answer. You know, I, I think a lot of times in movies they forget how fun it is if you don't give an answer and have people just wonder. Sometimes. 
sometimes it's really, really annoying. But yes, I, <laughs> ambiguity has a place. That's that's a separate point. We'll talk about that in a more heavily sci-fi movie. Um, okay, Ray, your game. So it's not really a game. It's more of a there is. And I'm stealing this term from a different podcast, but there are actors that show up and stuff, and you're like, oh, it's that guy. And you may not know their name, but you've seen them in many places before. And this movie is the king of that. Just like actors who aren't movie stars, but you see them everywhere, right? So we got, what's his name from Firefly? Adam Baldwin. Yes, what's his character's name? Jane. Major. Jane. Jane, that's right. Um, Data. Obviously, from Star Trek, we have the president from Battlestar Galactica playing the president's wife. Um, in Donnie Darko, there's a guy who wears a bunny suit. The son of Randy Quaid plays the rabbit in the bunny, the guy in the bunny suit in Donnie Darko. Um, there's a scene when he goes, the same actor goes and pulls her sister out of a truck when she's like with a boy. Think that boy is the killer in Scream? One of the killers? I can't remember. Um, he looks <laughs> really close to him. Um, but I've seen that guy before. We're getting, you're getting yeah. a no from. <laughs> well, he looks very similar to someone I've seen before in one of these. He was not Skeet Ulrich or uh, Nick <laughs> No, he was I can not. Promise you that. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> now the daughter is the daughter from Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, there, there we go. Um, my last you one. You don't know May Whitman. No, my last one. That one of the doctors dissecting the alien was in a few of the later seasons of ER, and that's it. All right. <laughs> Category time. Putting together now ER and Independence Day. <laughs> Yes, the link you didn't know you needed. <laughs> That's all I could find. Did you guys find any other actors or actresses that you're like, oh, I've seen that guy before? May Whitman. The daughter from Mrs. Doubtfire, I think, was the only one that she didn't say that I noticed. May Whitman is also in Harry Potter Development. Junior also. If I've ever watched that show. You were saying two properties I've never watched. So, like, when you keep going, like, how do you not know Mae Whitman? This is why I don't know Mae Whitman. I, <laughs> I know her from Independence Day. That's it. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Well, Mae Whitman's awesome. Um, love the, seeing fan. It, like honestly, Harry Connick Jr. was probably the one that like. Wait, what? Harry Connick Most surprising. Jr. Yeah, like it's just like this dude is like legitimately like a billboard like top ten artist, but he's mm -hmm. playing this one random role. Well, so he I, had a uh, song in the movie. He, I mean, and that's how did. we got the part as the pilot. Hey, but it just wasn't expecting like he was gonna have this role, and like me watching oh. this as an adult, I'm like, oh, that I, really is him. I remember because uh, way back when, when this movie came out, uh, right before it came out, he was on MTV uh, promoting the movie and was talking about how he, they get, gave him the role for of that because so, of the song. Seth, um, I think you said you're you're like, wow, she's in here. Role is who from 
I forgot That's her name, but the daughter from Mrs. Doubtfire is the daughter okay. of Randy Quaid. Ray, you also, named off wait, every. Hold on. Oh, there's one more. Uh, Miss. There's one more Miss Doubtfire connection. His uh, Robin Williams's brother is in this movie, and Mrs. Doubtfire, the one that helps make the makeup and helps him get dressed in drag. He's actually David's editor or works at the news company. The guys. I, oh my god! I gotta call my lawyer. No, never mind. Yeah, right. Andrew Keegan is the name of the boy that the girl is talking to in the truck, and he is in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's one of these like teen heartthrobs who didn't make it out of this teenage years into like startup. <laughs> but he wasn't in Scream. <laughs> hey, guess what? That's uh, it looks like the guy. Hall of Famer right there. What? I said 10, 10 Things I Hate about, about You is the Hall of Famer right there. Yes. He was in Party of Five. He was in Boy Meets World. Moesha. <laughs> hey, shout out. He got excited about the Moesha. Seventh <laughs> the Heaven. Yukian show that I remember. Seventh Heaven. Hey, no. Yeah, he, had a, no. he had a good run. <laughs> oh, man. We're not talking about Seventh Heaven. Nope. Never bring <laughs> that up again. You can never watch that show after. Nope. Mm-mm. The show is a new meeting. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, thank you, Ray. Actually, we may have to bring that back for um, the next episode. Jordan, I think that's your pick, which we'll go over once we finish. But now we're getting to categories. Best scene. I'm going to go ahead and pick Bill Pullman's speech. Because that speech is obviously all what we remember from said movie. Seth, you're shaking your head, so I'm going to go ahead and go with you. What is your best scene? Yeah, my best scene. Now, that's a great scene. And if it wins, it's a perfectly deserving victor. But the dog fight in the canyon to the end when he punches the alien. Yeah. Right? That's up there. Like that. <laughs> that's a good one, too. That's because, like, to me, that was when I was a kid. Like, I liked the speech. But Will Smith's, like, you know, the emotional thing, the, the fighting that they had, and then the emotional payoff of him punching the alien. Which is just a very human thing, and you know him just mouthing off and stuff. I, I, I don't know. That was a scene that always stuck with me as a kid. I loved that scene. It was cool. I thought it was awesome. Ray, what do you got? Well, movies like this are nothing but scene after scene after cool scene after cool scene, and so it's so hard to pick. Um, I like the scene Seth chose. Obviously, the most memorable scene is going to be the the speech because that gets played literally every July 4th. Um, One scene that does it for me is when they get in the spaceship and they fly off and they got the whole... Just that whole interaction with the cigars and the fat lady and... Oops. Yeah, oops. Yeah, oops. Without the oops this time. That was the most gold bloom he was in the movie, by the way. Um... But it worked. There's also the scene where he's like pulls up to Area 51 and they're like, you don't have clearance. He's like, you want to see my clearance? And he just opens up the squid monster and like, oh yeah, come on in. I'm going to say that in and the dogfight in the canyon because I feel like that's a continuation. Jordan, what do you got? Well, that seems significantly long. after oh, that. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. I'm going to pick and it's not the best scene, but I'm going to pick it because it gets me all emotional every time is when they think that the pilots are dead. And then, hold on, sir. There's something on the radar. And then they all, the girls get in the Jeep and they drive out and their husbands are walking to them or their boyfriends are walking to them and they got the cigars and they're just walking like badasses at the end. It just gets me every time. What a great ending. 
That's my Jordan. Favorite. Sorry. I'm going to have to go with when the cities all start blowing up on it. That was mm. that was the marquee moment in this movie. I feel like that got everyone talking and and excited about the movie. I all of these uh, the speech is a great speech, one of the best movie speeches. But I think that scene in particular is what most people remember from the movie. I'm not going to change my answer. We all four pick different scenes. So, like, I'm just going to say, like... The movie is the winner. Yeah, like, honestly, we all four pick different scenes. I'm not changing. We all seem hard stains. And, like, I agree with you all. And we all agree with each other. So, this is a great fucking film. Like, pretty, 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 pretty good. So when it comes to MVP, this will actually be the hard part. Because we have yeah. we have Will Smith. We have Jeff Goldblum. We have Roland Emmerich. We yeah. have Bill Pullman. We have <clears throat> Redacted Quaid. Um, no, he's not in the running. He's not in the <laughs> no, running at all. Saying, not for saying, MVP. We have so many options to pick from. Honestly, I'm having a hard time, so I'm going to pick Jordan to go first. Special effects team. Yeah. I can't argue that either. <laughs> Ray. Uh, when I saw this as a kid, up until college, it was definitely Will Smith. But now that I'm a 37-year-old man, it's uh, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you were going with the president. Uh, yeah, I was going to. I thought that's where going to. Uh, Bill Pullman is the answer for me. And it's because, one, he delivers the speech. That was great. But the other thing is he has to carry the majority of the emotional moments in the movie. Uh, I mean, everyone has like their moments, but he had like really the heavy goal. I think his character arc in this probably had the biggest account, if that makes sense. Like, I don't feel like Jeff Goldblum really changed all that much. I'm not even sure Will Smith did. I feel like Bill Pullman, while he had only a small bit of change, I feel like he got to come into his own as a leader in that moment, which is one of his things they had to do in a moment in which he had lost his wife and everything. And I feel like he kind of grew his own backbone kind of deal. And I feel like he had the most growth of the three main characters. So I feel like he did the most caring. So to me, Bill Pullman is. I will push back on that. I felt like every character was sort of a static character in this movie. There was really no like much growth. You know what? I'm actually going to go with Seth on this one with the Bill Pullman. uh, No, no, no. He definitely oh, yeah, had no, growth I'm because <laughs> Hold on. he he had growth though. He he had he had definitely had growth because the movie starts with him being told this is not Desert Storm. He can't lead. He's not the warrior guy. He's going to back down. He's going to do this. And then he ends up with a spine and firing his own secretary of defense. Uh, and then he ends up fighting in a fire pilot again. But I think the moment of his growth is not him being in the pilot's chair. It was him as the president firing the dude who challenged him. So I feel like of while it wasn't a lot of growth, it wasn't like a massive amount of growth. There are, he had more growth than the other two, relatively speaking. No, I think I'm I agree with Seth. I was gonna vote for a little point anyways, but he convinced me even more than I already needed. So thank you, Seth, for saying that, because it is important to talk about the character's growth. Even though I think personally there was minimal growth, but he did have the most growth out of every character. So, yes. Jordan, are you changing your vote to Bill Pullman? 
keep it with that, but if we were tied, I was going to change it. I mean, Seth and I already voted for it. You two were yeah, tied. So, you two picked something different. So, yeah. Bill Pullman's the winner. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, Bill MVP. Do I... I, I said no one rolled Julia this. No one really overacted in this movie, so we don't have a Bison Award. Do six we man. have a six-man? Who is our six-man? There are a lot of people in this movie for a six-man. I want to hear Seth, because he has a clear one, and I don't. Uh, mine's the dead, because it was between him or Harry Connick, but Harry Connick had just a too little time. He'd be more like the... Eighth guy coming off the bench for the time that he came in. Uh, he's, yeah. you know, Lonnie Walker scoring 15 in the fourth. He's not Victor really. Lillingham. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the dad was pretty much throughout there the whole time. And he's part of, I don't know, he helped humanize David a lot. And he helped carry some of those moments, connected moments and stuff. And so I feel like he has to be six man for me. Just He's also humorous. All right. Um, I'm very sorry for comparing Victor Wimbanyama to Jalen Green. But, uh, Ray, your turn. Uh, I'm glad I let Seth go first. I'm gonna let, I don't even know where to go with what Jared just said. Um, I'm going to let, I'm glad I let Seth go first because I was going to pick Vivica A. Fox for all the wrong reasons. But now I'm going to go, um, with, uh, yeah, what's his name's dad who, well, I thought it was kind of annoying at first, but he actually was kind of endearing by the end. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ray's initial instinct. I'm going to pick Vivica A. Fox for her role and all the wrong reasons. I'm going to pick them both. So, yeah, yep. Vivica A. Fox is mine. Jordan, who's yours? I am going to go with the dad also. That was Even before Seth had said anything, and then Seth just confirmed everything I was going to say with the dad he brings a lot of light that makes david even uh more likable and you understand him a bit more on it that so that's my pick all right so i will just be the race wet winner of today and just pick the woman no. for all the wrong reasons no, the jerry gibson role. today it is the jerry gibson award winner <laughs> but no six man goes to um Jeff Goldblum's dad, which I'm trying to find the name, Robert Logia, who is the dad. So, awesome. Um, Jude, next category. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. Jordan, you have a cat? Sorry. It's my brother's cat. Oh, well, Jesus Christ. All right. We're getting to the Rotten Tomatoes game. Um, who was our winner last week, Ray? Uh, all I know is Seth is winning overall, so I think Seth won last week. So we'll just go Wait, with that. Seth is winning how? He has 10, Yorton has 8, you have 3, and I have 5. I don't know. What was the last movie we did? <laughs> I can't remember. I'm so confused. I don't even know what we did last week. I feel I feel like I lost last week because I thought it was one of those movies that was a lot higher, and it was shockingly no, last higher. Week you were one off. I we did. Remember. It was your pick for the movie, Seth. I know. And I can't remember what I. <laughs> you <laughs> won because you said seventy-five, and it ended up being like eighty-two. It was the um 
Barbarian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good girl. It's been a while. A lot is happening. Oh, Jordan, what did this movie get on Rotten Tomatoes? And God, I'm going to go with a 92 with this movie. Damn. All right, 92, we're going high. Okay, cool. Um, this is. I think this is the highest you've picked all year. Yeah. I mean, outside of, um, of course, the greatest movie you recorded over all year, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <clears throat> Let's Crusade sucks. But, Ray, what is your pick? Jordan, I want you to know there's a whole, like there's a large group out there that thinks Last Crusade is the best one, and oh, me and you I, are part of it. Yes, I am I, not alone with the thinking of the Last Crusade is the best score, one. You guys, I love all three indie movies, all three of the original. I love them <laughs> all. All three, all three not four. All I three saw the fifth one. The fifth one. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not. Throwing shade. I'm just saying. They're hey, bro, we got to talk about the fifth one. If you hold on, movie. I love all three of the originals, but I am deeply offended that the Last Crusade did not make our Hall of Fame, and Temple of Doom did. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Anyways, this movie got an eighty-five. Eighty-five. Okay, Seth. What did you pick? My pick was going to be 77, so, and I'm thinking 77 solely because it is a disaster flick. I don't see critics overly loving it, but I don't see them hating it either, uh, like absolutely hating it. I just see a bunch of them being kind of fed up with the, oh, here's another. Is it well, another, or can, is it the can, first? Yeah, this is the movie that was the first movie of the disaster movies. You can't so change I'm your pick, though. No, I'm, 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 still, I'm still good with 77. I still feel like it's not going to be like... Here's another alien movie. This is, I don't know. I I'm kind of I'm kind of upset because the audience gave this a 75. Well, if they could oh, that, do their vote, they would. Like, that's weird. This movie came out in '96. Disaster flick. Like buildings are blowing up. Like aliens are cool. Will Smith is being Will Smith. Jeff Goldblum is awesome. Bill Pullman is obviously our MVP, but like they have it like ah, it's a 75, and I'm like. The fuck are y'all watching? That's weird. I was expecting it like that to be like mid nineties, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's even worse when we get to the critics. Well, the critics were that hard on it? They gave it a sixty-eight. So Seth well, Bracken is our winner. But ooh. do you feel okay with that, Seth? No. This is what, <laughs> this, no, I don't. I don't feel I assumed that there was gonna be some pushback because of the mindless nature of the movie and the explosions, but I didn't expect there to be he said 68? And so, like, I'm gonna go back to the reason Ray started this podcast. We want to watch movies that we can just enjoy, turn our brains off and watch. And, like, my least favorite movie that's in our Hall of Fame is Armageddon, but, like, legitimately, you can turn your brain off and just watch it. And this movie embodies that. 68? Yeah. Ray, how do you feel about 68? A lot of times these movies get their score and like I feel like if the same reviewers could go back and review it again, it'd be different. I know uh, Ebert has gone on and redone some of his reviews and said like I was wrong. This movie's actually better than I gave it credit for originally. And I think it's just a summer blockbuster, and so they felt like they couldn't give it too high of a score. But I don't know. 
I'm gonna look up Roger Ebert's review real quick while y'all. Jordan, talk. how do you feel about a 68 while Ray's looking that up? I'm mostly confused because I thought when this movie came out, the critics were really good on it. So that's why I went really high on it. So I was more surprised than anything. Yeah, no, like honestly, your 92 is what I would have given it personally. But okay, sure. What did Roger Ebert say, Ray? He got two and a half out of four stars. It's like, I don't know what that is, like 65, I guess. Uh, 75. Well, it, it's yay or nay. Remember, I, I keep on to have to harp on what? this, but it's just a yay or nay. With, uh, I'm just about Roger Ebert on his website. I know, uh, but when you, you you can't use the Ron Tomato thing as like a mixture of how good I know, it is but again, everything we see I, say, I always say it usually ends up working out to be the score it should be if it wasn't that way. Like I don't know, it's just fun. Um, still, Independence Day is in the tradition of silly summer fun, and on that level, I kind of liked it, as, indeed, I kind of like any movie with the courage to use the line, it's the end of the world as we know it. So Yeah, uh, so I would say he liked it, so that would be a positive. No, he yeah. liked it, for sure. I mean, anything right. over two stars is good for him. I'm going to go ahead and say this is definitely being recommended by me. Jordan, is this recommended? Yes. Hold on. I got a question for Yorton. Oh. Mm-hmm. Independence Day or Armageddon? Which one is Which one? Armageddon. Easily. Oh, easily? Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Seth, recommend uh, Ar- I will say this, though. It, oh. It's more to do with the subject with Armageddon. It just fits perfectly on, like, me as in general. You got oil drillers and space and NASA. So, that, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That does that tracks. Uh, <laughs> Seth, do you recommend? Uh, yes. Ray? Absolutely. I mean, if you haven't seen, if you're one of the twelve people who haven't seen this movie, yes, I recommend it. Um, is this in my Hall of Fame? Um, as I said on last week's episode, as I'm saying now, and I sent a photo to the group chat. I was in the middle of a bar. Surrounded by copious amounts of people. And I stopped what I was doing to watch this movie at a bar. Guys, guys, quiet. He's giving the speech. <laughs> like, watching you turn it up. <laughs> I like, listeners, if you're listening, find our information. I will send you the photo of me stopping to watch this in a bar. Like, hell yes. Surefire Hall of Famer. Like, no questions asked. I will watch this movie at any time in any place. This is the reason why we started the podcast is because of this movie. Jordan. It's one of the movies. I agree. It's one of the movies that is in like you don't even have to. We don't even have to vote. It just gets ushered into the Hall of Fame. But go ahead, we're gonna vote. We we got to do a due diligence, Jordan. Well, I made it pretty clear when I started off. It's like. I've seen this movie so many times that for me, it's just like playing and my brain's already saying the line before the movie says the lines. I've seen it so many times. It's almost like I don't have to watch the movie to review it. I I didn't. I I was sitting here. I I was literally just watching the movie to be like, yes, I watched the movie for the the review. (laughs) Seth? Nah. I'm just kidding. 
I actually no, it's a great movie. It's a Hall of Famer. I've rewatched it multiple times. I just want to see Jared's face when I said that. Uh, <laughs> this is the type of movie that the Blockbuster Hall of Fame's meant for. Just movies that you go. I won't say turn your brain off for me. It's more about like rewatchability and excitement for the movie. Yeah. Yep. Well, and to be fair to this movie, you don't really have to turn your brain fully off because it works within the logic of the world it's set up. And to me, that's a key factor of a movie. Like yeah. if a movie doesn't follow its own movie logic, like it's in universe logic, then I get pissed. But like this did, so I can enjoy the ride multiple times and not be upset about it. I could watch it every independent day and be fine. And I think your night coming from watching the sequel is just a like everything this movie established, the sequel is like, we're kind of gonna do our own thing, but also go with the previous movie and also contradict. And so, like, we're thinking just, like, just shut up and make another movie. You don't got to explain anything. Like I said, for me, that, that second movie, I don't even have negative or positive things to say about. For me, it's just, like, a blank spot in my brain. I'm like, I don't even recall yeah. it. Okay. Uh, Ray, <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to... Look, we all have seen this movie at least probably 15 times before we even had to watch it for this episode. I feel like we it's just over time we've watched that much. So it's like grandfathered in. And yeah, I'm going to vote for yes. That's it. Hey, uh, Independence Day is in. You guys probably would have already known that after we voted Armageddon in. Because, again, I think Armageddon is more of a personal preference. But this movie is like, on they're, the movies are on the same tier. Like, they're great. They're rewatchable. They're amazing. So here we are. Um, so we have three more popcorn slash summer blockbuster fix to pick from. Flicks, sorry. Uh, to pick from. Uh, Jordan is next up. Jordan, do you have your movie ready? Oh, nice. right. Jordan, Jordan, will you tease it for us? Like, give us an actor the year it came out. Let us try Honestly, I completely forgot about the subject. And I was like, crap, it was my pick. And I can. I completely failed. Uh, Ray, Ray is already ready. I'm ready. Ray? Jordan, did you did you end up picking a movie or are we gonna come back to you next you, week? Hmm. Let's do this. I am going to do the original Top Gun. Okay. And remember I what I said. It can be outside of a franchise. It can be within a franchise. Oh, yeah. That was my rule last week. No, hold on. Time out. We can't do Top Gun unless we add Top Gun 2. No. No, I, I said I said legacy sequels are not counted. You, no, but the whole point of the that, podcast... No, no, no. no. no we're not changing the rules of the podcast. If we're going to watch Top Gun, we have to watch the second one, too. I said no I haven't seen the second one. Are counted. I want to watch it. We all agreed. We no, we did not. I didn't agree to that. I Change said, the pick no, for the second. Ray hasn't oh, seen the, the second one. No, no. no. I, don't even, no I, I said, I when we talked about it, I was like, like if you pick Bloodsport, sure, but we're not going to watch Bloodsport 2, 3, and 4 because those are like straight-to-DVD movies. Like, that's okay. We all have to vote all on right. it. We all voted on whether... All right, who here wants to see Top Gun Maverick along with the... All right. No, no, no. No, we'll do both. We'll do both. Voted there. So I don't get to pick? No, you get to pick. It'll just. We're going to do Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, and then after that, you pick. Oh, my God. 
right. I mean, I'm not sad about it. I like Top Gun, so I'm good. You're <laughs> I mean, not going to hear any complaints. I said, we'll, just no do, we'll do You're five weeks of blocking. I'm not going to be the one to shit on it, so whatever. Let's do it. I said no legacy legacy sequels do not count. No, the whole point of this podcast is we watch movies, and then if it's part of a series, we save it for when we pick franchises, unless we all vote. Like, we don't care about the sequels in that franchise. Again, my know. example of Bloodsport no, or Universal Soldier holds yeah, true. It's like, no one wants to see the sequels of those. We just want to watch the first one because the others hey, are trash. Hey, that fourth Universal Soldier hey. movie is amazing. Anyway, sorry. Like, no, Universal Soldier 2 was good. Well, um, then that, take that, that's a bad example. But my Bloodsport one works. That's what I'm talking about. And Bloodsport Independence Day, when you said, can I do Independence Day? And we voted because we all said the second one didn't even happen. We're fighting on air again, y'all. We haven't had a fight in like a year and a half. I mean, I'm not fighting on everything. I just said. I mean, we broke this both. rule for me on accident one time, so I mean, I didn't realize like, that was a rule. Woe is me! I gotta watch Top Gun Maverick again. Oh no! Poor no, it's fine. I, I just, I just, I was like, damn it! I really wanted to watch the movie I was gonna pick, so it's all right. Well, we'll wait another couple of weeks. It's fine. So we're doing um, one movie a week, right? We're not doing both for next time, right? We'll discuss that off air. Um, no, we're doing. We're going to do one movie a week because each movie deserves their own their own podcast. Okay, good. I agree. So, um, awesome guys. This was Independence Day. Thank you for sticking with us through our on air spat about legacy sequels. Thank you for listening about Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith and Bill Pullman. They're awesome. So next week, guess what? We're going to watch the greatest fucking actor of our lifetime, Tom Cruise, fly yes. a plane in Top Gun. Yes, greatest action. Yeah. Ray no, gets, greatest actor. I no, he's not the greatest actor. Ray and I love Tom Cruise. Greatest actor. Greatest actor. Great, you're just trolling me at this point. One of my point. favorite franchises, I'm, John, which will be excommunicado. Uh, Ray, if you say that again. Um Cannot wait because guess what? I'm the one who has access to upload the episodes. That (laughs) means I get to watch three Tom Cruise movies in a week because I'm going to go watch. Guess what? Dead Reckoning. Exactly. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Um, Shout out to Tom Cruise. We love Tom Cruise. Seth will sing a song actor. about Tom Cruise <laughs> in the next episode. I'm not singing that song. I will not sing that song. No. I no. I will very much anger a lot of people in the world if I sing that song. Uh that is that is not. Nope. But seriously, guys, we appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and soon to be thread. Ray's gonna <laughs> sure. work on that. Um soon to be thread. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. Uh, Oshi no Ko is our number one most listened to episode. What's wrong with you guys? Awesome. I called it. I said it's like the biggest hit, crazy hit thing ahead of me. So thank like, you guys what? for listening to it. We actually might have to go back and re-review it because three of us were very tough on it because of subject matter. No, we're not going to go back and rewatch that. I refuse to watch that movie. So, um, thank you guys. That could be a bonus episode oh. for Jared and Jordan. Yeah, you, you and Jordan can have fun with the bonus. I mean, it's a series, so you can see the other episodes, and I've been 
Nope. Jared, if you want to do that. Jared keeps trying to set off, but we're just going to shit on Oshinoko <laughs> or whatever. Uh, buddy, Seth and I have already talked about anime, and those are the only two, maybe three animes we're watching. Shout out to Jiro in the background. Um, but yeah, we'll see you guys next week.